Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, leaders, welcome to episode 50 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. I'm so pumped to be bringing you another episode, and not just any episode, but the 50th episode. That's right, we've made it to 5 0. That's pretty uh, cool in the world of podcasting, I would say, as many podcasts don't make it that far. And uh, here we are, 50 episodes in, and still the stories trickle in of just how this resource is helping you as a leader get healthier. That's why we exist, that's why we do it, and so I I really do hope um, that that's uh, beneficial to you and your leadership. And so on this 50th episode, I want to unpack, I want to talk to you from the title, Underneath the Surface. And many of you will know who are avid listeners, you'll know from episode 49, we talked about a hidden superpower of self-awareness. Well, I I want to kind of stay in that lane a little bit, if you will, and, uh, and kind of unpack this idea underneath the surface. I want to go there. And so, um... I've talked about this before on the podcast about being involved in coaching hockey here in the community where I live. And I can remember a couple years ago, I had noticed one of the players on my team that year was really struggling to score. And that struggle was actually really beginning to wear this player down in his emotions. And because he wore his emotions on his sleeve, um, he he would really get down and discouraged about this this scoring drought that he was encountering that particular season. It was early on in the season, but it had been quite many games now where he had just simply not been able to put the puck in the net. And that was not typical of this player. And so the more the drought extended, the more severely it began to affect this player. And you could just tell the fun was being right zapped right out of the game like this player was no longer passionate about the game all of that had been stripped away normally came to the rink pretty jovial pretty excited pretty happy kid but you could tell this was really beginning to wear on him and so it finally got bad enough I decided to take the player aside before a game one night and I just had a conversation with him about all of this and I simply asked this question to the player I said why do you want to score so bad and he quickly responded without giving it a whole lot of thought, because I do. I just, I just want to score. And that was his simplistic answer. But I didn't let him get away with that. And I replied to that. I said, yeah, I get that. But what's underneath all that? Like, why is it so important that you do score? And again, he gave me a surface level response. Uh, he said something like, I don't know. I just like scoring. I just want to score so badly. And it's been so long. And I said, again, sure, I get it. Uh, I said, it definitely feels good to put the puck in the back of the net. But can you enjoy the game without scoring? Like, why is this such a big rock for you? And what I was really trying to do for this player was get, I knew this wasn't the root issue. There, There definitely was something beneath this. And I wanted to illuminate that and make this player aware that it wasn't just about scoring. Because I don't think the player even realized that. So he finally gave me a little more as I continued to press and not let him away with these surface level responses. He finally gave me a little more window and said, you know, it's just embarrassing. And I said, oh, okay. Tell me more about that. I feel like we're getting somewhere now. He said, well, when my friends at school ask me, I want to be able to tell them that I have scored. And I said to the player, ah, and there it is. Took some digging to get there, but underneath the surface 
of this desire to score was a lie, telling this kid that if he didn't score, like his friends who play at a higher level of hockey than he does, then he doesn't measure up. Simply put, he's not enough. Wow. I won't tell you how the conversation went or the privacy of this 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 player, um, but unfortunately, this player isn't alone, and not far off from many of us as adults, who are much older, have much more life experience than this player does, yet. He is who we are in many regards in terms of living a life plagued by the various lies beneath the surface. You see, the problem for so many leaders today is that we live in a culture that has a band-aid approach to life and leadership. Everyone just wants to medicate you and give you some sort of temporary relief. Or we take measures into our own hands and we numb the pain by our own unhealthy means. But we never seem to get to the root of the issue that lies beneath the surface of each of our lives. If we truly desire to be healthy leaders, then we must also be committed to identifying what is underneath the surface of our lives, our actions, our belief systems. Specifically today, what lies are shaping you today? Here's the bottom line. And I've stolen it. It's actually a quote from uh, a book I've been reading recently called Soul Care Care by Dr. Rob Reimer. And he said this in his book. He said, an external change cannot alleviate an internal torment. I just think that is so powerful. I want to say it again. It's so good. An external change cannot alleviate an internal torment. You see, if we really want to be free and healthy, then we must be willing to deal with the roots that lie beneath the surface of each of our lives. And one of the primary issues we must unpack underneath the surface in in our lives are the lies that we are most tempted to believe. These often show up very early on in our lives and typically are introduced because of a wound that takes place in our life. Ken Dyke, who's the author and executive director of Freedom Sessions, it's uh, a discipleship through, uh, healing through discipleship. And he created this course many years ago and has been teaching it, and it's in the U.S., it's in Canada. And uh, recently, I've been taking it online, and it's been so powerful in my life and my journey towards absolute health and freedom. And he suggests this. He suggests that these lies are most often initiated from a wound that takes place before the age of 12. And then that lie, if not dealt with, if not resolved, if not healed, just continues to get reaffirmed and reinforced over and over again and can plague our identity our entire lives. So what do we do with that? I mean, where do we start? Where do we start unpacking this? Like, how do we get to these lies? As I mentioned a moment ago, we all have these lies in our lives and we're prone or tempted to believe them. But there are three basic or core or primary lies that kind of cover all lies that people often believe. And I want to I talk about those, unpack the three primary lies first and see if any of these resonate with you because these kind of all, they encompass every lie that we tend to believe and uh, they kind of plague all of humanity. And so the first one is the performance lie. Now this lie suggests that your value, 
listen to me, your value is dependent upon your performance. So many of us, without even realizing it, we gain our value by our performance. This was the case with the hockey player I opened up talking about. It was the performance lie. He believed he'd be accepted, he'd be loved, he'd be liked more, the better he performed. If I just score more goals, the more I'll be accepted, the more I'll be loved, the more I'll be liked. This was all rooted in the performance lie, that his performance dictated his value. And I want to ask you today, as a listener, as a leader listening to this podcast, what about you? As you listen to this today, does that resonate with you? You ever Have you ever bought into this lie that how well you perform determines your value, your worth, your identity even? And this can happen so easily. I mean, especially in our Western world where our lives are associated with our doing. I mean, just that question alone. What's the first thing we often ask in the Western world when we meet somebody new? Well, what do you do for a living? What do you do? Everything's associated with our doing. And so it's very easy without even knowing it, without even realizing it, to begin attaching our identity to this performance lie. Now, I can only speak for myself, but as I reflect on my own past, I can very quickly begin to see how this lie has taken root in my own soul. And and just like Ken Dyke suggests from Freedom Sessions, it was at an early, early age. And then it just continued to get reinforced my whole life. And I'm just now starting to deal with some of these, starting to resolve some of these, these lies that, I, that I've been prone to believe my entire life. And what about you today? I'm inviting you to take some time after listening to this episode, not right now, but at the end, maybe you need to go back and listen to this episode again, but I want you to reflect on how the performance lie may be affecting your life right now today. As a leader, many of you happen to be communicators that are listening to this podcast, and if Here's a question to ask yourself. If you get nine positive comments after a a talk and one negative, do you fixate on the one negative? That's a key indicator that you might be prone to this performance lie. Ask yourself the very first time you ever felt like you didn't measure up because of your performance. When did that first show up in your life? When did that first show up in your leadership? These are the types of questions we need to take some time and reflect on if we truly want to become healthy and, and, and bring healing to these lies. What we're really trying to do, attempting to do, and I'll get to this in the end, is, is bringing truth to the lies that we're prone to believe that plague us and end up shaping our, our lives. So the first one is the performance lie. The second one that people are often privy to is the people-pleasing lie. And this lie is just as it sounds, just as it suggests, that our value is dependent upon whether certain people love or like you. There are some of us who just desperately need everyone to like them. And as a result, they feel the pressure to constantly please everyone all the time. And when people don't like you or love you or, or you receive criticism from people, Do you feel like it's chipping away at the foundation of your worth? That's a key question to ask yourself. When people don't like you or love you or you receive criticism, do you feel like it's chipping away at your self-worth? 
Some people who struggle with this lie mask it by claiming that they don't care what people think. You ever heard somebody say, oh, I, don't, I don't care what people think. Who cares? But this is often just a way of building a false foundation when we're actually really, truly feeling threatened. People who believe this lie will often feel various levels of anxiety when people are upset with them. These people often say yes to way too much in an attempt to please everyone. But I want, I want to be careful to distinguish here. The solution is not just to learn to say no, but to go after the root lie and become aware of where it took root in your life in the first place. Again, I encourage you, take some time to reflect on this primary lie and see if it affects your life at all. When you get defensive, what makes you defensive? Do you get resentful when you feel like people are taking advantage of you? When people disagree with you, do you get more passionate and tell yourself you don't care what they think? Again, these are some key indicators that your foundation is faulty and you may be living from the foundation of this people-pleasing lie. So we've talked about performance, we've talked about people-pleasing. The third primary lie that, that often plagues people is this control lie. And this lie suggests that your value is dependent on whether you are in control or not. If you are around people who struggle with this lie, you may at times feel like you're being manipulated or shamed or judged or condemned, sometimes even bullied at its furthest extreme. These people want to control the, desire, the desired outcomes, and when they don't, they become irritable and even angry. People who have been victims of abuse often struggle with this control lie because fear is always just underneath the desire to be in control. We want to try and control everything so we never have to experience the hurt and the pain and the abuse that caused us to feel this way in the first place. Performance and control actually go hand in hand and they often join forces to plague us, keeping us bound to these lies. But what about you today? Is control an issue in your life? Has anyone ever accused you of being controlling or manipulative, judgy, or critical? How does this lie show up in your life? When you're not in control, does it make you feel fearful, angry, or anxious? That's a key indicator. You ever been around somebody who just always has to control, always has to lead, be in control, be in the lead, or, or they're just not okay? These are, again, symptoms suggesting that you may be operating on a weak foundation. Your foundation has cracks in it. One of the things I've found to be true in my own life is that lies will always manifest. Just like a disease will always have symptoms that show up, our lies are the same. I can remember back in my season of burnout in, in ministry, I remember going through burnout and and so many times, I went to doctors, I went to counselors, to naturopaths, I talked to friends and confidants and mentors. And, and so many times, uh, people around me just wanted to medicate the symptoms. But I knew deep down inside that these were symptoms. And I thought, I don't just want to go on medication. If, sure, if I need that to get over this hump of, of what I was feeling. But I thought, there's got to be something deeper rooted going on here because I've never felt this way before. And so what is that? That's what I want to get to the bottom of. That's what I want to bring healing to. And so I'm so glad that I didn't just jump at the first 
way of medicating the symptoms that I was experiencing at the time. I really wanted to pay attention. And you know what? In, in many ways, I'm still on that journey. Uh, I'm still on that journey towards health and wholeness and uncovering some of the things that lie beneath the surface in my own life and the lies that I've been tempted and prone to believe my entire life. And so just like a disease will always have symptoms that show up, our lies are the same. Now, I want to give you a few examples of some of the symptoms that indicate we're being shaped by a lie. So these are just three, again, not an exhaustive list, but here, here's a, a few that I've been contemplating and, and just looking at, not just in my own life, but in my reading and research on this topic. First one is defensiveness. I've already talked about this a little bit under the uh, one of the lies, but if you're being plagued by a lie, you will naturally become a more defensive person. If someone close to you points something out to you and how your actions are actually making them feel, you need to listen and you need to validate their feelings without getting defensive. You see, when we're living from the foundation of a lie, when someone calls us out on something, we immediately get defensive and we look for evidence to prove that all the times that we've actually done exactly what they're accusing us of or calling us out for, which does nothing but harm our connection with that person. Just think about it for a second. Do you honestly think, let's say I'm having a, uh, my wife calls me out on something and says, you know what, when you do this, it really makes me feel this way. And immediately my knee-jerk reaction is to get defensive and, and to think of all the times where I've done the opposite of that. I, no, I'm actually good at that. Or uh, no, I'm, I, I've act, I, don't, I don't do that. Here's all the times where I've done the opposite. Do I actually think and believe that that's going to change the way that she feels? And because of me getting defensive and, and making my case that I'm actually going to make her feel differently? She's actually taking the time to be vulnerable and open up and express the way she's feeling about how uh, she's experiencing me. This, again, goes back to self-awareness in the last episode. And so if I'm not going to listen to that, that's just going to harm our connection. What are the odds, what are the chances that she's going to open up ever again and tell me how she's really feeling or how she's really experiencing me, how I'm coming across to her? Probably very slim because she knows she's just going to get a very defensive husband who is actually not going to validate and listen to the way that I'm making her feel. That's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help her. It's definitely not going to help our connection. So defensiveness. Pay attention to that. How easily do you get defensive when somebody calls you out on something? Or do you listen with an open mind, an open heart? Another one uh, that's key, uh, a key symptom that you may be living from a lie is pettiness. Often, here's the thing. Often it's the things that annoy us the most about others that point to our own lies that we're believing. Let me unpack that for a second. Let's say you really get annoyed by laziness. Let's say you're a leader and you've got drive and ambition and you're, you're a pretty disciplined leader, but you get really annoyed by laziness in others. It may be, perhaps, because you are living out of a performance lie. And you believe that your value is attached to it. And so when you see somebody who is just lazy, maybe not as driven as you, maybe not as ambitious as you, it drives you crazy. And the reason it drives you crazy, if you strip all the layers to that away, really is because you're living from a performance lie. Now, that's not always the case. 
but it may be the case. And this is often, again, just a symptom that can just make us aware that maybe we've got some deeper rooted things that need to be healed, that need to be resolved, that we need to pay attention to because we're operating out of a lie. And the final one I want to give you today is compulsive behavior. This is another symptom, again, a telltale sign that we may be living from a lie. Here's the deal. We are most compulsive about the things we believe we need the most. Let me say that again. We are most compulsive about the things that we believe we need the most. We grab and become desperate for the things we lack in our own soul. Things that we believe will help us overcome feeling less than or inadequate. Whether it's compulsive or addictive behavior, the root is usually shame. We feel unlovable, unworthy, or inadequate. And so we grab for the object to numb those feelings and make us feel the opposite. But it's temporary. We actually have to deal with the core belief, the the lie that we're prone to believe underneath this compulsive behavior. And again, it usually comes back to a shame-related issue. And those shame-related issues usually take place, those wounds, as we said earlier, usually take place before we hit the age of 12. And then if we don't deal with them, they just get reinforced and reaffirmed over and over again in our lives. And many people are living just numbing the pain of those feelings, never actually dealing with, but just medicating, just numbing the pain and this is when people, uh, we find people addicted in compulsive behavior. So what do we do with all this? Again, I can only speak to what has been most helpful for me in this season of self-discovery and unpacking some of the lies I've been plagued by. And it's been, I, I can honestly say it's been through a lot of reflection and a lot of expressive writing. And I want to suggest to you, I want to encourage you, challenge you even as leaders Just to set aside 20 minutes, maybe tomorrow, maybe before the end of this week, put it in your calendar again to reflect on and journal through some of these questions I've been asking under each of these three primary core lies and even thinking through some of the symptoms. Do do any of these, whether it be compulsive behavior, pettiness, or defensiveness, are these things that people have called out in your life before do you recognize yeah I'm pretty defensive or I could be pretty petty or even compulsive or addictive in my nature those are symptoms that there's some things underneath the surface of your life that need to be paid attention to and so I want you to take some time just 20 minutes before the end of this week set aside some time to reflect and journal through some questions now here's some helpful questions to write and respond to and these are directly from Dr. Rob Reimer's book Soul Care I alluded to that book earlier and I, I want to give you some questions he suggests for kind of unpacking some of the lies that might be prevalent in our life that we've been living from a faulty foundation First question is this, what were the things that your parents said to you regularly as you were growing up? These can be a great indicator of some of the lies that have taken root in your life. Uh, What are some family slogans that you remember, either spoken or unspoken? Let me go back to that first question actually for a second. I want to unpack that a little further. You may have been told that you uh, are a 
you're a star, you know, and you've been led to believe that you are kind of this destiny child, that you um, have so many things going for you. That that can also turn to a negative where, where you live out of the lie, again, of this performance mindset where you're constantly feeling the need to perform to live up to that thing that's been said over you by your parents or by loved ones who are close to you. Or the opposite can be true where you've been told you'll never amount to anything. And so what do we do? We do the opposite and we try and live to show the world. We end up performing our entire lives to show the world different, that that is not true. And so whatever the case may be, it can still be very dangerous because it ends with us living from a faulty foundation, from a lie. This performance lie that we talked about earlier. And then again, secondly, what family slogans do you remember, either spoken or unspoken? Maybe it was just the culture of your family, an unspoken culture that you kind of lived within the realm of without realizing it. As you look back over your family life growing up, what was it like? What are the shaping experiences of your life? And here you really need to pay special special attention to repeated experiences because lies, as I've said before, lies often get reinforced or reaffirmed over and over again throughout our lives. But it started somewhere. And so what were the shaping experiences? Maybe you need to take some time and just write about some of the shaping, good and bad. The, the hurtful ones, the painful ones, or the good ones that you remember. There's a reason you remember them. There's a reason they're in your mind today that you can picture even where you were and what was said and how it went down. What are the internal narratives you catch yourself saying to yourself? Question four. What are some of the things that you often have the imaginary conversations in your head about? And uh, I want you to think about those. Maybe write them down and, and start to unpack why you believe that or where do you think that came from and don't let yourself off the hook easily just keep again keep questioning the responses that you give until you get to the bottom till you get to the root of it that's the idea with this exercise and then finally once you identify what the lies are that you're most prone to believe and that have been shaping you up till now as a person of faith I'm not going to apologize for this. I'm a person of faith, uh, believe in a a God, a creator of this world who sent his son Jesus um, to die and, and pay the price of our sin on the cross. And as a person of faith who believes that, uh, I'm going to recommend that you go to God's word now. Once you've identified the lies, here's what I've done in my own life is I've come up with three truths. I've done the hard work of identifying the lie I'm most prone to believe. And for each lie, I've come up with three truths from God's word that speak to this lie that I'm most prone to believe. And I literally have done this. I, I, you guys have a, have a cell phone, you listeners out there, you got a smartphone. I've taken the voice memo app and I've recorded me saying these three verses that speak to the lie I'm most prone to believe. And what I do periodically, I'll pull that up when I'm just feeling low or down or I'm recognizing that, I, that I'm really living from that lie or tempted to. I'll pull out my phone and I'll just listen. I'll pull out that voice memo app. I'll click on that and I'll just listen to me, my recorded voice, speaking those three truths from God's word over my life. And it's very powerful practice that really helps realign me and get me back to, oh, right, Um, This is actually true. That's not true at all. 
I don't need to perform. I don't need to be in control. I don't need to please people to be loved, to be valued, to find my identity. That is actually all rooted in who God says that I am. And that's where my identity is rooted in. And when you do that, it doesn't make everything go away. I'm not suggesting that. But it's a great start to realigning you and getting you back to a much more firm foundation uh, as it relates to your identity. And so I really do hope that um, that this has helped you, this, this has encouraged you today. Maybe you're struggling, uh, maybe you've never thought about the lies that you've been prone to believe. I encourage you to do some, some, some soul work, some deep soul work, as I've suggested a moment ago, and just just starting with 20 minutes and doing some reflective writing on some of the questions that I've outlined here. If this has really helped you or encouraged you in any way, shape, or form today, please, again, as we always encourage you to do, go ahead and share it on your socials or leave a like or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, the whole reason that we do this is to help leaders get healthy because we just believe, I have this core belief, that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. And so that's why the podcast exists, to help you get healthy so you can produce healthy ministry. Hey, until next time, remember, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.